Welcome back to The Deeper Cut, a podcast ministry of Mercy Hill Presbyterian Church. It is great to be with you today. Uh, I'm speaking to you, Phil, and I guess to also, also all of our listeners. But um, Thank you, Tim. It's good it is, to be with you, it too. It is so good to see you again. It's been quite a while that we've been on um, accidental hiatus, I'll say, uh, just scheduling conflicts yeah. and sickness thrown in there a little bit and the vacation and guest preachers and a whole bunch of stuff. So it's probably been a month or so, four weeks, weeks maybe? Weeks and weeks and weeks. Yeah, it seems like forever. Um, but it's so good to be back here with you. To, I, I know uh, our loyal listeners have been despairing. When? When is the next episode? Next time we have a break, we should put like a countdown clock somewhere. Ah, there you, you go. You know, to just really, there you, go. you know. I mean, my, my the... inbox has been flooded. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're younger than I am, probably. Your, your text box has been flooded. Oh, no. People know to not text me because oh, I'm not they? very good at responding to you've texts. trained them well. Um, yeah, I, <laughs> I'm I'm the kind of texter that unless you're explicitly asking me a question, you're probably not going to get a response from me. Okay. Um, and I, if I'm, people didn't know that, now they do. Now, now you know. Um, but yeah, it, it is good to be back to to pick up where we left off, or I guess a little bit down the line from where we left off. Um, we are still going through kind of the beginning weeks of uh, your sermon series on First Peter. Number seven. Week seven, yeah, it was yesterday. Um, and so there'll be a little bit of a gap in um, since the last time we spoke. I forget which sermon that might have been, maybe five or six. I think we had one guest in between, Chris preached. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, um, so yeah, we have a lot that could be talked about today. Um, from just a very short passage in First Peter chapter 1, verses 22 through 25. A sermon um, has been posted already, so if you haven't listened to that yet, I'd encourage you to go over to our other channel and give the sermon a quick listen and then come back. Um, but yeah, I mean, it seemed to me, uh, hearing, hearing it yesterday, Phil, you had more to say than you had time to, to use. Um, Maybe that's good for this podcast. We could talk about some of that stuff, but certainly a lot could be talked about Mm -hmm. um, based off your your text and your your sermon from yesterday about genuine love in Mm. the church. Yeah, so just as a um, one one comment on sermon craft or homiletics, which I like to take up some Mm -hmm. real estate here in our in our podcast. I created a mini-sermon for the next three weeks, mini-sermon series, I should say, on Christian community based on the way that the text flows from 122 down to 210. Those verses all revolve around the theme of the church, the Christian church, in a concentrated way. And Peter comes back to a concentrated look at the church in chapter 4, where we have Peter's version of the gifts in the body. You get that in Paul, particularly in uh, Romans 12. Mm -hmm. You get that also in Paul in 1 Corinthians 12, where he actually develops the body metaphor, the eye and the hand and the foot, mouth. Uh, Peter's version is quite short and often overlooked, so that's in chapter 4. So we'll have a chance to in our sermon series to look at the gifts in the body of Christ in chapter 4. But these next three weeks, this last Sunday and the next two Sundays, are looking at uh, how we are to relate to one another as Christians in the church in light of the gospel. Hmm. So I call this part one on Christian community genuine love. And part two is going to be next week, which will, uh, my, my working title is Growing in Grace. And um, and then part three, again, working title is uh, uh, kind of witnessing to the world. So, so uh, I think in a long series like this, it's not long by Puritan standards, but we're we're looking at twenty five, twenty six, twenty seven sermons in sequence, not all in a row because we take breaks throughout. But I think it's helpful to have 
Dr. Leary preached on the life of Peter. That's one of four. So that's kind of woven in mm -hmm. to help our congregation shine another shaft of light on the topic that we're seeing Peter go through the conversion experience that he's describing that we need to go through in his letter. So we're watching Peter kind of through kind of a memoir of Peter's salvation story. That's four sermons through the series, and then this kind of mini-series breaks it up in a way um, of saying, hey, let's, we're still in First Peter, but let's laser in on some cluster of topics here related to what, what, what our life should look like as a church. Mm -hmm. And Peter wrote to the church. He did. So, he did. I mean, it would be <laughs> totally appropriate to... Yeah. To take that on as... Specifically, he wrote to the elect exiles. Right. But that that thematic phrase is, is unique, is kind of... I mean, James uses it, but Peter really develops it. And I pointed out in the sermon, he writes to the Brotherhood, 2.17 and 5.9, as it's almost a technical term for church, which is unique to him. Hmm. Uh, brothers of another mother, as the saying goes. Our mother, the, the womb, the womb mate, that's literally what Adelphoi means, the common womb from which we come, is the Father, a Heavenly Father who gave us new birth by Christ's precious blood through the power of the Holy Spirit. So the brotherhood for Peter are the, are the collection of kind of the ragtag band of rebels who share the new birth hmm. and that means something in terms of how we relate to one another and what our witness to the world should look like yeah it means it means a lot yeah it means it a does. whole lot more than more than something i think um especially in this in the way that peter describes it even up to this this part in chapter one um and actually, in this in the passage, uh, Peter says, "Not of a perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God." So, like, th there's quite a distinction that Peter's making in terms of the new birth in Christ through the Father. Right. Um, so the word for seed in Greek is a cognate. We have the same word in English. It's sperm. So, what kind of sperm gave you birth? Well, two. I have uh, a hu there's human sperm that, that, you know, got kicked off my, my human existence. Right. And uh, you, you share the same. Well, different sperm. <laughs> We're not twins. But yes. it's the same perishable sperm. Right. But Peter's saying, that's not the sperm that gave us birth in the context of the brotherhood. And that's not the sort of sperm that gives rise to the kind of love that I'm talking about. Um, and he's specific in 117 about the outcome of human sperm. Yeah, and if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear without the time. Is that 119? Uh, I was doing something. Uh, I know what you're talking about. I'm looking for the verse. Here is knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such right. as silver or gold, right. but with the precious blood of Christ. That's 18 and 19. 18 and 19. Yeah. So, in my notes here, on that word, turn it around. Uh, received by from your fathers. All one word. Hmm. 
So, and it's literally the patrimonial tradition would be a, a kind of a wooden translation of that. But ESV doesn't like patriarchy, so it tends to avoid that word. But your, your patriarchal traditions is what it says. And so there's a, there's a father war or a contest between fathers. And Peter is saying the Heavenly Father wins because he did his work from the foundation of the world, which I think is 120? 120 and 21 yeah, somewhere. He was, he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest. So he's the, the ultimate times. father because he's, he is the father. Chesterton said that fatherhood is at the world's great core and this is part of what he's getting at you know who's your father Peter's saying that you were redeemed with an imperishable seed through the precious blood of Christ by a sovereign new birth that's linked to the very ground of reality and you're trying to live in a broken, shaky, sinful mode of existence that is completely contradictory to that. Mm. Stop. You're the church. The brotherhood deserves something better. Genuine love. S since you have this, do this. Mm. Since you are, since you have an, an imperishable inheritance, since you are made of an imperishable seed, since you have been redeemed, by an imperishable savior, treat each other that way. Hmm. Which can only happen if the aforementioned is is true. Correct. Correct. Yeah. He's he's assuming it is. Right. He's also calling you to to make things right if it isn't. Right. So you, you made the point you just kind of recapped your your first two your first point and your subpoints mm -hmm. there, where where does this genuine love come from? Mm -hmm. Your first point, it, it's outside of yourself, mm -hmm. right? So you're born again. I think you said you can't will yourself into existence. Right. Right. So that, just by definition, if being born is not of your own doing. So that comes from outside of yourself. But then your second point was that it also comes from within you. Like you have a responsibility here and you're able to do it. You're able, um, I think Peter uses, uh, it comes from a pure heart, right? Yes. Earnestly from a pure heart. Right. Well, that only can happen if you've been given a new heart. Right. Because we are sinners. Right. So we don't have a pure heart in and of ourselves, but in our regenerated state, by being born again by the Holy Spirit, then we we are given a new heart mm -hmm. and we can earnestly love one another. Mm -hmm. um, so I guess if I could be so bold as to make the claim that outside of the church, you can't find genuine love in the way that we're describing it. I agree. You find hints of it, um, echoes of Eden, but, um, you know, Bono's right. I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Mm. Or looking for love in all the wrong places. <laughs> <laughs> I think I just spanned like 40 years of rock and roll history <laughs> with those two references. <laughs> you had mentioned in your sermon, um, I think you... I think you had sh shared something... I believe your dad had told you yeah about you know jesus didn't just pay for your past sins but he paid for your present sins and all your future sins yeah um because i you know when i when i hear this kind of i'll call it a call to action right a call to genuine love for one another and we could talk a little bit more about what that might actually look like um I feel exhausted. <laughs> I feel like, I, you know, I, where where is this energy going to come from? Right. 
I struggle with just doing simple things, let right. alone like really loving my wife well, really right. loving my kids well, really right. loving my neighbors well, and then right. my, my friends and my family and non-believing, you know, where right. where's all this come from? Um, well, I just said, you know, it's because God has given us a new heart. We are able to do this. It's not like he's given us an impossible task. But from a kind of future-looking perspective, because we're talking, we got into this kind of rabbit hole, if you will, by talking about imperishable versus perishable. Um, and that, to me, you know, you, you said echoes of Eden, calls to Eden, but it's also kind of a, a future look towards glory. It is. Um, in the sense of, like, in consummation, this will, this is, this will just be the modus operandi. This will just be right. what it is, right. you know, because that's how it's supposed to be, how <coughs> it was at the beginning. Um, Remember in verse 6, though for a little while you are right. vexed with various trials. So Peter is wanting to call to our minds this brief and momentary existence um, I have Piper's book on my shelf, This Momentary Marriage. Um, great title, you know. Um, he wants us to set this radical call to genuine love in light of the very brief character of the, of the current moment in the history of creation. Pascal said, uh, sin is making, or anger is making an eternity out of nothing, and nothing out of an eternity. That's what sinful anger does. Hmm. And that's, the, the church is called to live in light of, etern not just in light of it, but to live an eternal existence in this temporary, perishable now. But I, I love, I want to, wrap back around, I love your honest um, articulation of your of your frustration. I, I can't even do basic things, let alone this advanced course in genuine love. I love that. Because that, that's really why I preached this sermon. Because I wanted to, I, I wanted to, um, without thinking this exactly, hearing you say that reminds me, yeah, the, what the Lord was leading me to say in this message was an attempt to, um, I guess, um, anticipate that objection and say, not valid. Like, it's the whole, that's the entire wrong way to approach it. That's cart before the horse. Mm -hmm. And that's the problem in church. We're building a human institution, whipping up a frenzy, getting people to do stuff so that we can increase the attendance and the money and the status and the size of the congregation. And uh, as, as uh, one of our elders and I were chatting the other day, this happened to be a kind of a banner Sunday for us in attendance, which was a little ironic um, for more than one reason. But we were talking about church growth uh, this elder and I, and uh, he says, yeah, you, you want to make sure you have the tiger by the tail in that thing. I said, exactly. Stay away from the business end of Mr. Tiger. Mm -hmm. um, fangs, no thank you. So, you know, we need to follow Jesus, follow the Holy Spirit, follow the leading of the Lord, and not try to, you know, do some babble project. And I think s we fa quickly fall into in, in appeals to Christian love, we, we fall into do better, try harder. And this is exactly what Peter's saying you shouldn't be doing. Like that, that's yeah. the patrimony of your human sperm, Father, that is creating the problem in the first place. And that starts with the pastor. You know, it's like my reputation depends on how many people came this Sunday. <laughs> and, um, Nickels and noses. And Jesus, Peter, uh, Jesus is using Peter here and saying, no. No. That's not what our Father does. Hmm. That's not what he has done. He sent his Son. More precious than you can possibly imagine. And you are precious too. Hmm. 
And that's why I'm testing and trying you so that your faith, more precious than gold, though refined by fire, may be shown to be uh, to praise, glory, and honor at the revelation, at the apocalypse, at the parousia of Christ. This is, um, I'm going to go on a slightly different angle here. <clears throat> I've been reading um, through the Old Testament in my Bible reading plan, and I just got through Exodus and starting Leviticus, and the amount of detail that is given about, um, particularly when God gives Moses the instruction for the ark and the altar and the tent of meeting and the whole, you know, the most holy place and all of the stuff that goes with it, the screens and the, the garments that the priests are to wear. Everything is covered in gold. Everything. Hmm. It's gold this, gold that. You're going to use this and you're going to cover it with gold. And this has to be pure gold. And all right, in the more outer areas, it could be bronze. But still, you know, everything's got to be the best of the best of the best of the best. This is a holy don't forget the pomegranates. You're right. Yeah, the, the pomegranates and um, and uh, bells, I think, Yeah, that are woven. Um, blue. Blue. Scarlet. And, yeah, blue. Linen. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just a refrain over and over, over again. Over a fine twined linen. Yeah. Fine twined linen. Um, what I love in Exodus is you only have to read half of the last half of Exodus. <laughs> don't, don't, uh, don't quote me on that. Well, wait, oops. Um, because, you know, Exodus, starting at Exodus 25 to about 35, it's like, this is what you should do. And then, you know, from 33 or whatever to 40, it's like, we this did it. what they did, yeah. And yep. it's almost an exact photocopy, except they changed the verb tense. Yep. <laughs> Secret um. to rapid Bible reading by <laughs> Phil Henry. <laughs> it's, it's easy to get lost because of the repetition. Um but then, you know, I'm thinking, because P Peter talks about gold that perishes. And I said, like, man, I've been reading a lot about gold in the Bible, it seems like. And here, Israel has God dwelling in their midst. You know, this is God's dwelling place to be with his people. And it has to be holy. Like, it is hmm. set apart. Um, and it's dangerous. You know, like, you, you can't just go walking in there kind of thing um even before the 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 tent you know on the mountain it's like you can't touch the mountain only moses can go up in the mountain where god is but anyway and now i'm thinking about how um jesus through his precious blood has he tore the curtain in the temple you know when when he died and he has now allowed us to be with God, you know, so he, he's, he has um, reconciled us in a way and created or, or got rid of that separation that existed. And that separation that existed, um, you know, the gold is what drew me into the thought, but um, that was a temporary fix, God being gracious to his people. You know, I'm going to be with you, and I'm going to lead you, and I'm going to protect you. And he did. He provided them food. He provided them water. He provided them protection. And then, you know, we, we fast forward in history, and we have Christ and his precious blood being more precious, and our faith in that, in that regard being more precious. <clears throat> and even the gold that was used to make God's dwelling place amongst his people. And when I think about that, then I go back to my, my complaint of, well, where am I going to get the energy and how am mm -hmm. I going to do this? And it just seems silly, mm -hmm. you know, and, and, and then your, your comment of that's the wrong way to look at it. You know, like that's invalid. Yeah. You're, you're messing with the tiger's mouth at that point. Yeah. And you need to grab the tiger by the tail. Um, I, I've also said you can't push a rope. You know, you're, it's, it's not designed that way. Right. An aside, which, which maybe will lead, lead us into a, 
another thread of what you're saying. The word for precious is Timmy. Tim, Timmy. And it's the same. So, Tim, you are precious, honorable, uh, valuable. You know, these are some synonyms mm-hmm. uh, of, of impregnated with rich worth, you know, distinguished because of its tremendous value. That's, that's the idea. In 18, 118, we're told that Christ's blood is precious. In 1.8, we're told that our faith is more precious than gold. Mm-hmm. So how can something that we have, because we're flesh and therefore perishing and of the dust, corruptible, uh, impermanent, weak, failing, all flesh is like grass. This ties us back into 123, quote, the quotation from Isaiah 40 there. Mm-hmm. How can we have anything that's precious about us? We can't. We did. We had the opportunity in Adam, the first Adam, and he failed to attain preciousness, honor. He, he disgraced himself and all of his posterity with him in his rejection of God's uh, good command. The new Adam, Jesus, embraced God's good command, and all of his posterity with him have reaped the benefits ever since. And therefore, our faith is precious. And therefore, nothing in this world can, can, can get us down, you know. No, nothing can, can overwhelm us. As a friend of mine said once, uh, uh, we're driving a Maserati and we act like we're riding in a jalopy. Mm. So we do we do need to be told who we really are, and that's one of the you know main objectives of preaching, is to clarify reality for a confused congregation that kind of comes sometimes kicking and screaming, sometimes dragging their bodies over the threshold of the church house. We need to be reminded and inspired and challenged um, about who we are. We become precious by union with Christ. That's my point. And nothing can take that away. Even though we're beset by trials, it's just a little while. Mm -hmm. And in the wisdom of God, just as Christ learned obedience through what he suffered, we too are, are learning. You know, we're learning about heaven in the school of this fallen world. Different topic. Because the church forgets who she is, it is the job of the preacher to remind her. That entails some negativity. Uh, I really struggle with that in this this message. Um, And I think I, I even was explicit about my struggle from the pulpit. Thoughts on uh, the pastoral negative? Was I negative enough? Did I, uh, I, I do, I do feel like I, I had a lot more negative to say, <laughs> but uh, what did uh, author of Hebrews <coughs> says, but you can't bear it at this time. Hmm. Um, the Reformed Presbyterian in me says never negative enough. <laughs> sin. Sin, but and more um, sin. No, I think it was. Um, here's, here's, here's the truth. I don't think it was negative. I think it was truthful. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't. I don't think it was um, you painting a picture that wasn't reality. I think that was you from your um, lens as teaching elder and pastor of the church and and frankly the the guy who planted the church who God used to plant the church to be able to speak into um, our congregation at this particular time what you've been seeing what God has been helping you to see and I don't think that that was I think it was good I think it's good for us to hear that I think we need to hear it I also appreciated that it wasn't just, you know, 
you pointing a finger at the church, um, and um, everyone else is the problem but me, or, right. or you know, it wasn't right. any of that. Right. Um, it was extremely humble, and if I could say encouraging, while still pointing out the struggles of yeah. the church. And I'll be honest, I mean, that's echoes of Peter. Like, th- that's... Mm. Peter's fellow, not being easy. A, fe- a fellow elder, as you he know what I mean. Humbly describes himself in chapter five. He's he's one of the boys. Yeah, and he too is awaiting the crown that the chief shepherd, when he appears, will bestow on him and you and me, God willing. I think, I th- if I can say one more thing, for me personally, I won't speak for our whole our whole church, but when I hear. Um, that type of message, it encourages me to want to pick up the phone and call you or call one of the other elders and go, what's the other negative stuff? Let's get it all out on the table mm-hmm. and like, let's start doing something. <coughs> you know. So one of the points you made, and I struggle with this too, so I'm, I'm not trying to say I'm a, I'm, I'm a, different than anybody else but one of the points you made i think at least a little bit was our tendency to kind of flee when there's conflict or when mm-hmm. things are hard or when or when an elder or a deacon or a pastor is pointing out something uh, some sin in your life or something that you're struggling with our tendency is i don't want that i'm gonna run and hide or i'm, I'm gonna pretend that that's not happening or i'm going to point a finger at something else and shift the blame um but I think as a church, when you're speaking to the, the whole body of Christ collectively, I think we have enough um, love and strength of one another to go, yeah, we need to hear that. What else do we need to hear? You know, what else can we do? So I think it was, I think it was good. So that particular negative was much more developed in my mind and in my prepared notes than what I shared, so I, you're, I did, I did say that is what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Like that came out in the message because mm-hmm. I know we talked about that a little bit before the show started. So I'm on record as having mentioned, at least mentioned it a little bit. Yeah. Um. I think with Peter's focus in his letter on the brotherhood and on the leadership of the brotherhood, which he calls elders under shepherds is his unique contribution to the job of the elder so as a shepherd um, and the brotherhood by contract but by implication is the collection of sheep that the chief shepherd has called us as under shepherds to to lead guide and discipline um, It's it's really, it, it's it's a, it's a destroying sin when the sheep flee and the shepherd does nothing about it, or when the shepherd tries to do something about it and the sheep rejects it because there's another church down the street, or because, uh, which is the case, you know, in some recent controversies that we've had to deal with here, or because. Um, I, I'd rather not having, have someone messing with my business, so I'm going to stop going to church altogether, which we've also dealt with many times. So whether it's um, just sort of consumerism, um, you know, I, one, one of the things I, I, I thought about recently is the, the, the 1960s kind of era of, of our country, which is radical relativism, has yielded radical autonomy. It, it hasn't gotten rid of law. It's just meant that each one of us is his or her own monarch. Mm-hmm. And um, so as pastors, as shepherds, we, we have a, a cross to bear. I wanted to I've been reading about the Swiss Reformation. I actually talked about it a little bit this morning on my blog. But here's a quote from Zwingli. The shepherd must deny himself, 
suppress self-love, and every day make ready to bear a new cross. He is to contend courageously in the strength of God for the word of God, but he must win the enemies of God by love, the pastor's most necessary virtue. He must pray to God to be set on fire with his love. Hmm. That's page 79 in uh, The History and Character of Calvinism by John McNeil. That's a great quote. That's what I tried to do on Sunday. Um, and I wanted people to see that that's what I was doing. Meaning I wanted part of my teaching to be showing people that this is what a shepherd does. And it's not easy. And I'm struggling with it. So even in cutting back some of my negatives that I had prepared to share, I guess I was trying to show that it's, I want you to see right now that what I'm doing is showing you, showing restraint. I'm not sure if I should be showing restraint or not, but in love, I'm attempting to show restraint because I have given you some serious challenges. If you would only listen to the ones that I've given, you have enough. I'm concerned, however, that you haven't listened to the ones that I'm giving, which is why I'm expressing my doubt at this moment. I mean, that's, yeah, that was right at the surface of what I was doing on Sunday. Yeah. And if you're a born again Christian, you heard it. But if you weren't, or you weren't paying attention, and you were a, a lazy wandering sheep, you, you didn't hear it. And um, so, may God help us. <laughs> I didn't know how to end that sentence. Yeah, too. yeah. You couldn't say anything else other than yeah. that. Um. Yeah, it, it seems to me that, you know, what, what we're talking about here is the genuine love mm -hmm. right, that, that you preached about um, and, and that Peter talks about. And it's, uh, I guess in my mind, a little bit confounding thinking about it, like, all right, roll up your sleeves, earnestly love one another, and at the same time, show grace, show grace, show grace, you know, like, Amen. There, there is a, there is a balance there that I do not know how to wrap my head around, I don't think, you know, because to me, it's easy, I guess I make the fatal f flaw of assuming that showing grace is kind of sweeping things under the rug, or ignoring them, hmm. and that is not no. grace. But in my mind, that's where I go because I'm lazy and I fear people, uh, you know, people's disapproval or conflict. And so it's easier to say, oh, I'm going to ignore this particular issue because I love this person. So rather than make a mountain out of a molehill, I'm just going to pretend uh, I'm just going to show grace. Like I'll have extra patience and I'm not going to say anything and I'm just we'll see, you know, I'll pray for them and kind of let it go. Um, but that's not really <coughs> loving that person at all, and that's certainly not rolling no, because, up my sleeves. Because it's it's not being a Philadelphian. The the love which is called for is love for the brotherhood, which opens up the entire theology of the new birth by the precious blood of Christ. So it has to be in alignment with that. So next week in Growing in Grace, again, my working title, the first three verses of 1 Peter 2, 1 to 3 are all negative. Well, I mean, there's like a list of four or five negative virtues that we need to get rid of in the fellowship, in the brotherhood. So part of genuine love is exposing that stuff hmm. first and not in our own hearts for sure and then having no tolerance for it and others and showing grace is a kind of no tolerance because you refuse to even acknowledge that that thing has any power over you we, we chatted about that a little bit before the show started 
Another motivation for me in this message was a comment from a very good friend of mine and mentor whom you know, and I spent some time with last week in his church. Um, two or three times over the weekend where I was with my friend and mentor, he, 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 was, he was complaining and or appealing to the leaders of his church and to his church as a whole. Where is the grace in this church? Where is the grace in this church? That was his saying. And he had two or three examples. One related to the pastor served communion in a way that wasn't quite correct. And instantly, the elder board got two or three complaints from people in the, in the, in the fellowship saying, he didn't serve communion in the right way. And my friend said, where is the grace in this church? It was an honest mistake, and it was actually kind of funny. Um, where's the grace? Hmm. So I don't think the congregation in, or that maybe whichever family or individual com saw the error would be baptizing it and saying it, it was okay. But as it turns out, the error related to the fact that the pastor wasn't given the right material to serve the Lord's Supper. Well, whose job is that? I think based on how this, you know, I only heard one part of the story, but based on the part of the story I heard, uh, if anybody needed to get in trouble, it wasn't the preacher. It was the doggone person who prepared the Lord's Supper. It's mm. probably the deacons. It's always the deacons' fault. <laughs> um, you know, so uh, that person could have said, you know what, the pastor made a mistake and it pr probably did the best that he could. I'm going to undertake to fix the communion preparation process so that he's not put in a bind in the future. Mm. So um, hopefully I've protected names and identities in the small pond of the PCA. But uh, yeah. Hmm. grace we do need more grace and it isn't grace doesn't mean you you're okay with sin it's right. the opposite yeah it means it's so serious that only one thing can deal with it which is grace hmm. yeah if you're jesus says if your eye causes you to sin gouge it out that's grace it is it is yeah i like uh jack, jack miller has that counterintuitive saying, uh, cheer up, it's a whole lot more worse, it's a whole lot worse than you think, Right. but God is a lot better than you dared to believe. Mm. Uh, it's become a, a little bit of an overused saying, perhaps in some quarters, and maybe misused, but, but I, I do think we, we need to take it a whole lot, sin a whole lot more seriously, which I actually, in, in my applications to the message, mm -hmm. I said, you need to freshen up your repentance it's like a a library book <laughs> yeah i thought your application um was great actually um because i was wanting that like i yeah. was wanting you to say that to me good um and and so i was i was very appreciative and and um pleased to be told that from the pulpit. So what, one of the applications that I didn't make because I was out of time, but I think it made its way into the message, which is partly why I dropped it off at the end, was I think we've talked about it in the podcast. I know we talked about it beforehand, but getting back to imperishable seed. If you follow the flow, the reason that the word of God is described and even enters into the picture in Peter's mind by way of his reference to Isaiah 40 mm -hmm. is because it is from the word of God that the gospel comes, 125. This is the word that was preached to you. Preaching of the gospel, 112, comes by way of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit preaches the gospel when the preacher opens his mouth. That's strong teaching, like that strong Calvinistic, Reformed, Protestant theology of preaching 
and the doctrine of the church. The preaching of the word of God is the word of God. Belgic Confession, uh, Westminster Confession, Westminster Shorter Catechism, especially the preaching of the word is a means of grace. So I, I came into the pulpit with all of that heavy armament, you know, like mm. AK-47 plus, um, M16 plus, saying, I know that what I'm about to do is help me, Jesus, by the Holy Spirit, speak the very word of God, the imperishable gospel word of God to your people. So that's, that's important. The, the preacher have a good theology of preaching. But uh, I'm, I'm hanging Jonathan Edwards' spider web over the maw of hell. Make sure that what I say is the word of God. Mm -hmm. And what I'm doing is, is I'm preaching the word of God about the gospel, preaching the gospel to a people who have heard it before and have, have or are forgetting it regarding the way that they're to relate to one another. So the, the close mechanics or the chemistry of the text, the physics of the text, is that this eternal word of God, which does not perish like the flesh, like the glory of man, that's the King James, uh, it's the glory, all flesh is like grass, and it's glory like the flower of the field, the King James um, embellishes that, all flesh is like grass, and the glory of man, like the flower of the field. I think that's really helpful. So everything about your way of approaching life is going to perish, but you have been born again by an imperishable word, which is the gospel from the imperishable blood of Christ. So this community needs to look and feel different than, than every other family unit or social construct that can be found on planet Earth. Why it doesn't is, is simply explained by the fact that um, we as individuals are importing worldly, sinful ways of thinking and acting. Hence the call to repentance and to clean out the church, the brotherhood, from all impurities. That's the church I want to be a part of. Did I mention in the sermon that um, when I planted the church, I wanted to plant a church that even I could join? I, I think I did say you that. You said something along those yeah. lines, yeah. Like if, if, if it would let me in, it would let anybody in. <laughs> well, you're not a member of our church. Well, that's true. But I... I think we'd let you in. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> By the way, I do think an overemphasis on polity and, and church organization tends to kill the church, which is a Presbyterian weakness that we need to always keep an eye on. Which is one reason I didn't explain church membership in those detailed ways when I preached it, although it is it, it would be a good topic for us to discuss. I was just making a joke. I know, I know, but it's... <laughs> I'm so Presbyterian that I was worried that someone would call me out on that. <laughs> and you were right. It just didn't happen. Yes, no. You didn't call me out. You were you were teasing me. That I mean that is I think that's a great sentiment though. And one thing I, I really do love about our church, you know, and I'm I, I feel very blessed to be able to uh, do membership interviews, you know, with people who are looking to become members of our church. And um, we're, we're a church of redeemed sinners, you know, like that's every church, but we're not trying to pretend like we're any better than, than, than we are, you know. And, uh, and so I, it's a, it's a, I'm, I'm looking for the right words. It's a low bar mm -hmm. to entry, you know. Um, have you accepted the gospel? Mm -hmm. Are you 
redeemed by Jesus' precious blood, mm -hmm. are you striving to live in genuine love? Mm -hmm. So um, that triggers a couple of thoughts that, that were um, kind of some pillars behind the supporting the sermon. You know, I gave the, the short history of Mercy Hill. I'm uniquely qualified to do that. Mm -hmm. And I was making special eye contact at, at that point in the message with uh, Kristen Donato, with Scott and Shelley, two of the longest standing uh, members of the church. And um, echoing in my mind were some complaints that I have received over the years that Mercy Hill has lost its way, that we, we've departed from the original founding vision. You know, we started in a living room, and that was intentional. Uh, we started essentially as a small group because we wanted to emphasize genuine love and Christian fellowship rather than a big show, as we used to say, or the event of Sunday morning. So we were informed by some kind of crusty, uh, missionary, missional principles of ecclesial formation, if I could put it that way. And round about the time we were coming into naming and ordaining elders, 2014, 2015, 2016, April 24, 2016 is when we ordained our elders, we, we lost like a dozen families. And it might have been 2015 when like we literally lost 12 families. And all of them were fracturing off or sh shaving off or cleaving off like an iceberg that was melting along the lines of Where's that kind of fellowshipy thing that we loved? This is like, you guys really are Presbyterian. And um, I bristled at the accusation that we had lost or changed our mission and defended myself robustly. Um, it's probably true to some extent, you know, in retrospect, and I could have been more humble. I think in in that but I also could have been a little bit more pointedly honest and a little less graciously gracious you know ungraciously gracious mm -hmm. if that's what we we want to say and said you know uh, the church is both organization and organism and you're just struggling with the fact that we need more organization in order to be a healthy expression of the body of Christ and that's calling you to a level of commitment that you're uncomfortable in making and so I'm sorry, but this is actually the, the progress of this local body of Christ in growing in maturity requires more structure than it has. And that includes things like elder, things like policies, things like presbytery, things like books of order that, and, and like positions on things like baptism, et cetera, that is uh, grading against your, uh, your, frankly, your own immaturity. And I don't want to highlight that, brother, sister, but that's what that's that's also what's happening. But in in the process of developing our organization, I do think that we have stagnated in our common life together. Um, Brethren of the Common Life was an important pre-reformational group that that gave rise to uh, the 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 beautiful and ugly, fractured, amazing, complex Protestant reformations in Europe. It's a great name, the Brethren of the Common Life. Uh, I, I think the appeal to genuine love is a way of me saying to myself, we got to dial back the BCO, we got to dial back our polity, we got to dial back at, at some, in some creative and some specific and some vague ways, I'm not sure what, 2023 needs to be a year of the fellowship of the brotherhood and let's let's talk less about church and let's do more church hmm. that's the pastor's heart in this sermon and in, in this three sermon series that i'm hoping to uh hold on to this tiger by a tail <laughs> and there was a flurry of responses not you know earth-shattering responses, but someone planned a fellowship, and 
potluck and someone called me over and said, could you come over for dinner? And uh, a few people got together and were talking. So um, hopefully Aslan is on the move, speaking <laughs> of wild cats. Lion, not, not tiger in that right. sense, but he's not a tame lion. No. Um, yeah, I think... Speaking, speaking to our church, um, I, I really want to see us do church every day. And that doesn't mean we have a men's event every day. It means I'll learn how to text better. Yeah, s simple stuff. You know. And it, it also doesn't mean that someone has to die of cancer every day. Were you were you were part of that. Mm -hmm. Did that bring back any uh, memories when I shared that story briefly? Yeah, um, good memories, tough tough memories. Um, I I don't think I was quite as heavily involved, at least time wise, as some other folks in the church, mm -hmm. yourself included. Um, but yeah, I, I went over and, and spent a good deal of time at the house um, with Doris and uh, and with other people in the church, for that matter. You know, not even there with Doris, but just with other people who were grieving and, and struggling through it. So I, I thought it was a um, it was a good reminder. You know, mm -hmm. the hard thing is that. Like you just said, we don't. I don't want to rely on that. I, not someone doesn't have to be dying. We're all dying, mm -hmm. but someone doesn't have to be on their deathbed in order for us to be activated mm -hmm. as a church in that way. And I don't think that we're the exact opposite, you know, um, as though we've forgotten how to do that or right. something along those lines. I mean, our church, I think, apropos for our name, I think we do a good job of showing mercy, you know, when there are needs, when things, when things arise that aren't life threatening even. Um, but even still the praying with one another, the talking through things, hard things doesn't have to be someone dying, just mm -hmm. struggling with my job or got in a fight with my wife or, you know, I think there are groups in our church, you know, people who have who have deeper friendships that that do that offline, mm -hmm. which is great. That that's what the church is about. Just want that to be more prevalent. I want that for everybody in our church, you know. Yeah, each group that's formed, I mentioned cliques, needs to always think about the person who isn't there yet. I sometimes call it the so-called Elijah chair. Except in this case, Elijah's a stranger that, not the honored guest, but he's the, the stranger that hasn't showed up yet. Mm -hmm. So, um, always having an empty chair in your circle for the next guy or gal who just showed up yesterday. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, kind of the come and see, you know, hop, hop in, let's, let's take a ride together. I know you're new, but... Come, come meet a man who told me everything I ever did. Yeah. Other, other thoughts. We certainly didn't drink the well dry no. on this one, but um, no. It it feels it does feel a little bit like we have a tiger by the tail here, at least for me may explain to our listeners some of the silences in this podcast mm. uh, just struggling to get our arms around something that's uh, massive and, and beautiful um, maybe even out of respect for the the grandeur of the topic we we, we don't want to spoil it with with uh, <laughs> or decorate it with with words unbecoming of the subject but uh, yeah I I'm looking forward to next week and seeing where the tiger takes us.
<laughs> we have to name this thing by by week three. We're gonna keep talking about it. Yeah, Tony, um, <laughs> Tiger can have a bandana and eat cereal. Um, we we often talk about putting links in with the podcast, and mm -hmm. we never do. But maybe we can not put a link in the in our podcast for the World Magazine story about Doris. Did you ever hear it? I did. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm sure I can, I can pull that up because I think I posted about it when it came out, um, to our church. So I'll pull that back up. Um, or not pull it back up as the case may be. No. <laughs> it's okay if I, you don't. I'll actually, it, uh, all I'm saying through. is that it's, it's, it's not a, if it doesn't happen, then it, that's a, that's a great resource for us because it does capture, uh, a, a, a church surrounding a woman in, in a time of need. It leaves off all the nitty-gritty. Like, there's nothing mm -hmm. about the fist fight in the front yard in that podcast. Uh, yeah. There's nothing about um, battles over medical power of attorney. Right. And other things. Yeah. Um, that I probably shouldn't even say here. But, <laughs> but it, it does give a nice lens yeah. on, uh, on a church, a, a, a loving church in action. Yeah. Yeah, I, I will find it and uh, and put it in the show notes, if you will. Figure out how to do that. I don't know how to do that either. Yeah, I'll, I'll figure it out. I'll figure it out. Or I'll ask someone smarter than me to help me figure it out. <laughs> Joe, I'm coming for you. Um, I'll ask you how to help me with that. Anyway, um, two more weeks to talk about this, so we can double dip, if you will, next week. Um and I'm looking forward to, to hearing, hearing that sermon that's still formulating in your, mm -hmm. in your mind. But thank you um, as a fellow elder and, and more specifically as a member of our church. Thank you for the word that you preached yesterday. Because I, I do know, and I mentioned this to you when I showed up to the studio this morning, I know even not being in the room and having to listen to the sermon this morning because um, I was away, I could tell that that was a difficult thing um, to kind of point out some, not flaws, just negative struggles that we have as a church, um, to be tempted to think that that's a reflection on you as the pastor, you know, and to, to have to say some not-so-light or light-hearted things from the pulpit is, is a burden that you're called to bear as our teaching elder and I'm thankful that you, that you did that because uh, that's showing grace to us. And hopefully it models genuine love too. Mm -hmm. I was uh, working hard to, to be oriented in that way because um, if the people know the pastor loves them, they'll, they'll listen to the negatives. But if they feel like it's coming from, not coming from Jesus, but um, who, who alone has precious blood, then they won't bear it. Mm. They might act like it, but they, but they won't. And we know, we know the difference. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's all we have for you today. Um, thanks again for, for spending some time with us today on the deeper cut podcast we'll pick up this topic uh you know in, in a different angle or different light next week and we look forward to talking to you then um until then if you have questions for us uh our inboxes are not so full that we we wouldn't love to hear from you um like i said i'll even learn how to text uh if you want me to so feel free to to get in contact us in contact with us uh through our website or, or email um, if you would love to join us for one of these conversations, we're always open to having um, just some additional voices in the room. We'd love to get your thoughts and include you in the conversation in real time. So if you're interested in that, reach out to me and we'll figure out a time that works for you. But um, as always, thanks for joining us. And we pray you have a, a blessed day. <laughs>